From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Chase Palmer. Today I'm going to talk with Ole Miss baseball assistant Mike Clement. We're going to discuss what he's been doing during this uh, quarantine period since the baseball season ended after just uh, four weeks of non-conference play. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about a couple different legislative things going on with college baseball, some more players, some more seasons, and uh, and more with, uh, with Mike coming up on today's show. This is brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Remember to use the Speed Pass Plus app. It will uh, take care of you as it is the easiest way to fuel up, protect yourself, be safe, uh, getting your gas there at all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi. And we're coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South there in Amory. Let Corey know what you're looking for. He wants to be your truck guy, your car guy, and he will help you out during this social distancing period to make sure you can get the car that you want, and uh, in whatever way it needs to be that you uh, you get that deal done. So contact Corey again, 662-257-1900. And uh, now we'll go straight to uh, our interview on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline with Mike Clement. Mike Clement now joining us on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Before we got on the phone, you uh, or I guess we were on the phone, we wouldn't hit the record button. You asked me when's the last time I had a spring without baseball, Mike. What's the answer for you, and what are you doing during your days right now? Because we, we, we talked to Laugh a couple weeks ago, and he was uh, he was teaching PE to his kids. He was playing playing wiffle ball in the yard, maybe going down to the pond a little bit. He was he was daddy daycare a little bit. What's what, what's going on with you as we get to, to May 6th, 7th, 2020? Yeah, I the last spring I had without baseball, I'm – I mean, my guess is I'm under five years old. My my dad was a high school baseball coach growing up, so I, I don't know that I've ever had it, to be honest with you, at least from from a memory standpoint. So crazy, absolutely crazy. So uh, my days consist of uh, my my kids aren't as old as last. I, I've got a I've got a well, kids. I have one kid, fifteen months old. So chasing him around, um, counting the minutes till nap time, um, to when I can sit on the couch, check out social media, um, see what's on TV. And then, and then we go at it again. So it's, uh, it's an odd, odd thing. And all of, all of that sandwiched in between a couple of zoom calls with our team and with our coaching staff and everything else. Yeah, I think you're right on the edge of the the worst age to have kids during quarantine. I'm 100% sure my four-year-old is in that range because they don't understand, <laughs> but yet they have a mind of their own and think they know everything, even at four. So I'm dealing with that every day. She can't go to school. She doesn't understand why she can't go to school. She can't play with friends. She doesn't understand why she can't play with friends. But you're just on the edge of the mobility being an issue of they're inside all day, and i got to figure out how to how to kill 24 hours. Yeah, that, uh, he thinks every ball in our neighborhood is supposed to be his. So if he has nine, there's no reason why he wouldn't have 12. Uh, not audible yet, so it's more of uh, just whine when things don't go his way. Sometimes it's hard for Dad to figure out what he wants when that whine starts. So then he gets handed back over to Mom real quick. 
baseball, obviously, all in your family. You mentioned that a second ago. You were probably before five. But what 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 was baseball kind of like in your house? I mean, was it year around? What you talked about the dinner table every day? I mean, obviously, everybody immersed in it in some way. What was what was that like growing up? Yeah, that's what it was basically. Um, there weren't a whole lot of soccer balls laying around the Clement house, so. Um, my dad, like I said, the high school baseball coach, I have two brothers, um, and we progressively got, uh, got better as, uh, as we got younger. Unfortunately, I was not the youngest. So my older brother was just a solid high school player. I was just a solid college player. And then my little brother played in the big league. So we, uh, even to this day, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot about baseball, uh, even when we get together Thanksgiving and Christmas time, that uh, that consumes most of our uh, most of our conversation for sure. At what age did, did did your brother kind of pass you, and you go, "Hey, this is this is different. There's something there's something a little strange about this." Um, it was unfortunately like most people, and and I talked to our players. Like I would guess of our 35 players, 33 of them feel like they're going to play in the big league someday, which there's a lot about that that I appreciate. I know that's not the truth, but it's not my job to tell them it's not the truth. (laughs) Unfortunately, in my family, um, I knew I wasn't a big leaguer probably when I was 10. My little brother would have been six, and so we're playing backyard baseball. And when you look around and the six-year-old is way better than you, um, you got some – you know you know that uh, you – your, your days are probably limited. So, uh, yeah, he was he was really, really good from a really young age. And, uh, you know, I still tried to play Big Brother and beat him up and all that kind of stuff. But uh, And I would never give him the credit if he's listening to this. Uh, I'm not going to uh, – I'm not – I still wouldn't give him the credit. So, um, but, yeah, he was good at a young age, way better than me. What other sports do y'all play around the house? I mean, doing, we're playing 21 in the, in, the, in the driveway and that kind of thing? We were we were probably pretty typical. Now remember, I grew up in Iowa, so okay, I say yeah. typical. We were football, basketball, baseball, but wrestling is really big in the state of Iowa. So we all wrestled growing up too, um, which you know ends up in some broken bones and bloody noses and all of that stuff. I used to think that cauliflower ear. If anybody doesn't know what that is, look it up, Google it. Um, I used to think that was the coolest thing in the world, and like everybody's hero in the state of Iowa is a guy named Dan Gable who was like an unbelievable wrestler, gold medal winner, uh, coached at Iowa for like 21 years and won like 16 national championships uh, coaching wrestling. So that was a big deal too. So those four sports were prevalent around our house, but it was uh, male-dominated. My poor sister, we have one sister sandwiched right in the middle of all of us. She had no chance. I never thought that cauliflower ear as like a sense of pride was going to show up in the first five minutes of this podcast today. You completely pulled one over on me there. I'm glad. Hopefully that uh, that that aids to uh, whoever's like jogging on their fourth mile and listening to this thing, and uh, maybe that'll help help an extra kick. Uh, you know, I, I know that obviously we mentioned you know when's the last time we didn't do baseball and this kind of thing, but I mean you're during the spring especially you're just you're you're busy, but you're in routine. It's incredibly regimented. Obviously, 56 regular season games, recruiting, everything else going on, whatever. How long did it sort of take to just get over the complete stir craziness of it, and really just the the shock of hey, I'm not going to the office tomorrow. This season's over. Because professionally and personally, all of a sudden, it's such a change that we all talk about how it's different. But you guys are different than than anybody else. I mean, your your entire lives altered immediately. Sure. 
and I, I hesitate to to compare it to like a death in the family or but the stages like you always read and I'm no psychologist or anything but the the stages of grieving I think I've never fully understood or grasped that until now and again I hate to say that I was grieving like I hate that but because uh, there's some people that truly are but I think I, it was it was truly shock when it first happened, and even when we had the meeting, and it was super emotional. First time I've ever seen Coach break in front of our group, and um, it was I got emotional at that point, and then everybody leaves town. But it was like just kind of go through the day, and hey, this is good, and I probably took a week or two before it really set in. Like, what is going on here? Uh, to the point where drive by the field, like I can't even go into my office, but you drive by the field and you see the lawn chairs still set up in right field. And then it became really sad for me. You know, just we got players in Jupiter, Florida, San Diego, California, and everywhere in between. Uh, and I think now I've gotten to the point where I've wrapped my head around it a little bit, but now there's just so many question marks into the fall and well, into the summer and then into the fall that, um, now you're just kind of grasping for answers, and um, I'm sure my, mom, my my wife, I'm sorry, stays at home with our son, and you know, she said to me a couple different times, man, how would you like it if someone came and like looked over your shoulder all day long, just job shadowed you? Um, and I was like, eh, I'm not much for that. I don't think I'd like that. She's like, well, that's what I feel like you've done for the last two months. So, um, yeah, just gotten super strange. She's never, I've known my wife for 10 years, and we've never had a weekend together in the spring now we're on like whatever that is number eight something she, like that she would so really like you weird. to go recruit wouldn't she <laughs> yeah that's uh it's it's wild but yeah it's just unbelievable when, when do you think that i mean i mean i know you don't know but i mean i might as well ask the questions we're talking about it when when do you feel like there's any semblance of normalcy at all have y'all gotten any indication from any baseball body conference body anything of when even you could go recruit somebody or do something that's off campus yeah the short answer to that is no we haven't gotten any answers so we are but i'll give you my opinion yeah. um makes things interesting anyway uh we are dead the NCAA has put a dead period on us through the month of May. Um, I think the optimistic look would be that, hey, June 1, everybody can go out and recruit. I think if you made me guess, if I had to bet a substantial amount of money on when we would be able to go out and recruit, I would guess they would extend it another month and we could go out July 1. That's my guess. Um, and I could be wrong. I think I think it could be longer than that. Unfortunately, it could be September one. I, I just don't know. Um, my hope, and, and you probably talked a laugh about this, but you know, most most of our decisions are made in the month of July from a recruiting standpoint. It's when Laugh and I, you know, spend all month in Atlanta or Dallas or Miami or wherever we're at. We're all on the go um, for probably twenty five of the thirty one days or thirty days. How many days are in the month of July? We're we're away from Oxford, so. I think our hope personally is that we're able to, to get out in the month of July. If they take the month of June away from us, it stinks. But you know, obviously the hope is you're always playing most of that month. And so, um, you know, we don't have a ton of time to get out and see, see players. But the month of July is critical for us. And if it doesn't happen, obviously a lot of these tournaments will get bumped back into the month of August. But then, you know, you're talking about coaching your own players and then leaving and going to, you know, recruit and all of that. So month of July is critical for us. Uh, and that would be a hope. 
I want to put a pin in there because I want to ask you something about summer baseball in a second. But you mentioned, you know, Mike kind of, kind of, kind of choking up talking to the team when it, when you knew that the season was over and 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 how quickly that happened. What were those 36, 48 hours like for you? I mean, you guys are playing ULM, you're scoring a ton of runs, you're getting back on the bus. I mean, when you when you put your head on the pillow that night, did you have any inkling of what was coming over the next twenty four to thirty six hours, or you know, really when they had the meeting and LSU got back off the bus and all that? Is is that when it started to go? Hey, we've got a, we have a major issue here. Yeah, it all happened in, in such real time. You know, we're on, and I'm, I'm sure everybody's heard the story. We're on the bus on the way home from Monroe, and you know, we have Direct TV on the bus, and we're watching. I think when when I started to pause and think, oh no, this ain't good, is we're watching ESPN and on the bottom line, the NBA suspends their season. I think when that happened, in my head, something clicked, and I don't know if I allowed myself to believe it, uh, but at that point I was like, oh crap, this ain't this ain't good. Um, because if they're going to do that, um, you know, college athletic, you know, we can't afford for someone to get this or heaven forbid someone, someone to die or get very sick for this. Um, because they were at an Ole Miss baseball game, or any baseball game for that matter. Um, and so I think when I saw that, it was real. Um, but just it was such an odd, whatever, like you said, 48 hours. And so we have a team meeting on the bus. Hey, no fans in the stands on Friday, but we're still going to play LSU. And we all thought about how weird that was going to be. Are the students going to try to you know, pack it into the not auditorium parking lot up in left field and all that Uh but we were fine. We practiced the next day, and all of a sudden, uh, it's hey, they're suspending the season and through the through the month of March. But we're going to pick it up there. We're going to be all right. We'll treat this as preseason, and we send the guys off the list. And then it's a team meeting that says, hey, the World Series is canceled. We're supposed to send everybody home. And as you know, with the roster makeup of us, sending everybody home is uh, every corner of the country. And so, uh, just an immediate, like I said earlier, shock. It it uh, it was wild. Yeah, I, I don't. How is it different? Because I was thinking about this, and I don't know that I've talked to anybody else about it. But you guys, sixteen and one at the time. Obviously, we don't know how it would have played out. But very talented roster that was put together that was playing at a very high level at that point. The the unknown. How does that compare to a missed opportunity? When you talk about, you know, you lose a game three in a super regional or the Tennessee Tech year or something along those lines. Yep. How, how does this sort of fall in line with that? Where it's certainly this, this like you said, there's a grieving process to it, but you didn't lose. You won everything that that, that had to happen. You just have no way to know how it would have ended. Yeah, I'll take you through like just my genuine emotions and all of those scenarios you played out the Tennessee tech one in 18. Um, man, I was, I was shocked and I was sad. I, I probably felt like a lot of our fans, uh, just, I was heartbroken on that one because that's the best baseball team I've ever coached. Um, just to be completely honest. And so that one was, uh, as much sad. And I, I probably told you this before, you know, I had someone last summer, I was out recruiting and somebody said, how long did it take you to get over that one? And I told them, I'll let you know when I do. And, and I, and I, I mean that to today. I, I have not gotten over that. I don't know if I ever will. Um, some sort of character flaw that I have, but uh, have yet to get over that one. The weird part, last year, um, in 19, we lose game three of the Super at Arkansas. Um, that's, that was tough, and I don't know if it was just the way that that game three game played out, uh, but there was an element, and I don't want to sound um, 
disingenuous with this, but I'm, but I'm going to give you my raw emotions. There was an element of satisfaction that came um, sometime early in the summer with that, only because the the way the season played out. And I, we had a chance to really go south with the way things were going towards the end of the regular season. Um, and our guys bowed their neck and played really well, end up hosting, end up, you know, walking through our regional and playing really well. And all of that, there was an element of satisfaction with that. Don't get me wrong. I was really disappointed we didn't win another game and go on to the World Series and all of that. I don't want people to misunderstand me. But there was there was some sort of element of satisfaction, whereas in 18, there was zero satisfaction. And then with this thing, um, this was the hardest of all three um, because I didn't have any answers. You know, at the end of the day, even with the Tennessee Tech, I'm going to sleep at night because they beat us. You know, we got beat. Um, and there were a lot of things, the things that keep you up are the things that we could have done differently and how did this happen or that. But at the end of the day, they scored more runs than us. And with this one, um, it was a team that had relatively, uh, at least from an old Miss standpoint, the expectations are never that low, but relatively low expectations coming into the year. We're in the back half of the top 25 in some publications and not even in the top 25 in others. And then, we just play really well. And I think you could see it, our fans could see it, just kind of the it factor that's hard to quantify. Uh, we had a lot of that. And, you know, I give Chatnier, you know, just a bunch of young guys that were not scared. Even the guys who didn't produce, like Plumley and Ely, like they just weren't scared. And they brought just a different it factor to our dugout. And so Video and Keenan were playing the way you hope the older guys will play, and they let the younger guys be who they were. All of those things. Um, and then it just stops on a dime, and none of it was anything that those guys did. And so that's the hard part. You know, at the end of the day, when we're in left field and, and you lost your last game, and, yeah, you're sad for the guys, but we got beat. And in this deal, you didn't get beat. It was nothing that they did wrong. In fact, they did everything right up to that point, and we're just done. You mentioned the 18 thing. Would you obviously you mentioned you from a baseball standpoint? Maybe it's the number one day you would want over if you could redo one throughout your your play your coaching career. But do you think of it even as like decisions that were made or calls or hey one play over or is it just the over just the overall of ah crap that whole day was was a disaster? Uh, the, the further away it gets, initially it was just kind of the blunt force, brutal overall. Um, it stunk. But the further away it gets, and this is what stinks, and like I said, it's some sort of character flaw that I have because I don't know why anyone would want to suffer. Like, now I, you know, further away it gets, the more you think about everything about it. And I'm talking, like, in between games, after we get beat, man, how how would I not speak to our hitters when I'm giving a scouting report on the pitcher in game two? You know, why didn't I speak to them differently? I don't know what I would have said, but, you know, you just – second guess everything you did when the result was what it was um to the point where like i just see a random kid commit to tennessee tech on twitter proud to announce i'm going to tennessee tech and the picture he catches on there is them dogpiling on our field and it just like the little things like that the rush comes back and it's just miserable it's just an absolute gut punch so um man i I don't want to sound like i need a psychologist or anything but I just, well, I just won't ever get over that. And it's okay. We're going to compartmentalize and, and move forward and um, all of that. But that, that one, that one will, will be with me forever.
Yeah, it, it was it was such the weird thing, and I, I promise people don't 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 worry about your your well being. I'm going to get off 2018 in a second, but even from a media standpoint, I mean, I'm not on the team or anything, and I've covered a lot of end of year press conferences. I've covered a lot of press conferences when things have not gone well for whatever reason, and there was this this shock and. The whole stadium had just this weird, eerie, negative mood over it to where I was having a hard time thinking. I mean, I, I, I was it was one of the few times where – because you, you get to know the people. You care about the people. You care about all those type yep. of things. And I'm, well, I'm sitting in there, and I, I guess it was Ben Garrett sitting beside me, and I looked at him, and I said, I don't know what to ask. And it wasn't a, hey, I'm scared to ask a question. Mm. It was, I don't know. My mind is not working mm. right now. I don't really get it. And then I think in Mike's opening statement – he said something about how that was the worst baseball loss of his life or something. And I just, yeah, yeah I don't know. I kind of froze up as a media member. It was interesting. The only time it's even been somewhat anywhere close to that is the Virginia Super Regional when Evan Button threw the ball mm-hmm. away in game two when you go, ah, he's going to come to this press conference and you're going to be the, the jerk that has to ask a question. And it's, But even then, you know what you're doing. I simply went blank. It's almost like I blacked out during the press conference because it was, it was just – just a, and you know, the only kind of solace there was a lot of the guys on that team that were coming back the next year. You know, you had Gray back and Thomas back, and a lot of those guys that would get an opportunity. Yep. You know, but then you know, like you said, when when they finish up at Arkansas, you just lost two out of three series on the road against a really good team. It happens, and when when that happens, I mean, you know, it's it's sad, but it had nothing like the feel of the year before whatsoever in that in, in that in that media room. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Been telling you for a while that uh, travel's going to get back to normal. It's not there yet, but we're headed in that direction. I got a note from John just the other day. He was letting me know about some uh, things that are either opened or are about to open out there. If you want to interested in those and you want to get in touch with him, uh, check out Kohler, Wisconsin. Four golf courses just opened on April the 24th. Uh, great deals there in Kohler. The Watercolor Inn in Seaside, Florida, uh, it, it opened on May 1st. Beach access, pools as well. Uh, the Kiswa Island in uh, South Carolina, all the hotels, the villas and the homes, they opened on uh, they opened on May the 16th. Two golf courses, uh, pools, beaches, also in South Carolina in Hilton Head. The Sea Pines Resort uh, there in Hilton Head. Hotels. Uh, homes May the 16th, golf courses, pools, beaches opening as well. And then uh, if you want a little something more, a little more exotic in uh, the British Virgin Islands, sailboat rentals with full crew, uh, all of that stuff opening up on June the 2nd, up to three couples, total of $14,500, all inclusive. If you want to get away and enjoy travel, things are opening up. You want to get in touch with John, 901-494-3387. Or send him an email, jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients save $50 off their first book trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the the benefits of home. Uh, all the comforts and benefits that you're used to from the big mega banks, except they give you a personal touch. All the technology and products you want, but there's no buttons to push, no wait. You get a live person when you call. Great customer service at OUB. You also get Casasa. It's the absolute best cash checking account. And with it, 
OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. They also have a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest as long as you keep $10,000 in the account. It comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group, dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. The firm is built on decades of wealth management experience, and they've seen it all. Their financial advisors have a reputation for professional excellence, and their clients rely on their high level of confidence and integrity. So whether you need guidance on developing a financial plan, creating a customized executive benefits program for your business, or preparing a detailed asset allocation analysis, Bluff City Advisory will provide forward-thinking, cost-effective investment strategies customized to uniquely fit each client. 901-365-3447 or email ben, B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors. She sponsors my weekly mailbag on rebelgrove.com, and she can also serve you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. To get in touch with Whitney, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. No, I think, I think you got it exactly right. That was the hard I mean, I, yeah, you, you go back and you're wondering, man, if we don't get rained out and don't have to play a doubleheader and they beat us in the in the game to push the if necessary, if we have a night to sleep on it, is it, you know, just, you, and again, here we go. We're talking about every every single part of that, of that 2018 deal, but I wholeheartedly agree with Coach B. I mean, it was, it was the toughest one of my career because that team was really, really good. And so um, it is what it is. This is what it is. Here we are. Um, whatever it is, 700 days past that. And, uh, we're still, still talking, talking about, about it. it. We go, we- We'd go another 700 days, and we'll probably talk about it again. No, Mike, I, I had a little PTSD. It was like a month ago, and I didn't understand what was going on at first. Teddy Cahill with Baseball America was tweeting stuff about that game. And I, I saw, like, one, and I was like, what's he doing? And then he saw another one, and I guess somebody was showing a replay on television or something, and he was live tweeting it. And, like, even me, I'm like, okay, right. I, I, I just can't look at that right now. Like, that's just a day I'm even just going to – I'm, I'm going to move away. We're not going to do that for the next three hours where I see that in my timeline. <laughs> Every time you click on there and scroll, you got to watch like burning of that game. Yeah, no, no, thank you. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I, I have not gone. I've watched a lot of old games, old Miss wins and losses. I've never even gone back and watched anything from that that, that day again. Have you watched the tape? Nor, nor have I, nor will I. Oh, you you won't go back and watch it at any point. No shot. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I remember it too well, and uh, yeah, there's no way. There is no way. Okay. So back to my other thing, I put a pin in this. You mentioned summer ball potentially recruiting at some point. I mean, you you know, you're a parent, you're around communities and whatever. Right now, locally in Oxford, they're trying to decide when to potentially start summer baseball again, when it's safe and whatnot. How do you sort of feel about at that point for for kids as far as getting back onto the field? I mean, the kids are stir crazy; they want to play, but where sort of in your mind does the the ability to get back out there and then the safety kind of meet somewhere in the middle? Yeah, it's really tough, man. That's really tough. Um, 
I think on some level, um, you could probably make it safe, um, sometime mid summer, you know, it's, I just feel like, um, from talking to people that, you know, we may get major league baseball back some, sometime around the 4th of July. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I'm not as obviously dialed in with the NBA and all of that. It, you know, you see the NFL calendar, they're, they're put, being very optimistic and putting out, you know, a normal calendar, um, and preseason and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I feel like that kind of trickles down and, uh, now, I don't think it's going to be, quote, normal. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, you, you know, we got to socially distance watching games or wear masks or whatever it is. Uh, but I also think at some point um, we're going to have to pull the trigger and go do it. Um, just because I don't, you know, it's not like this thing is completely going to go away to zero, you know. And so I think at some point, um, and that's why I don't envy the leadership, whether it be leadership in our university or the mayor or the governor, you know, and, and again, I don't want to get into the politics of it because that makes me want to throw up as well. But um, just I don't envy that position because at some point I think you just got to pull the trigger and, hey, let's, 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 let's go after it at that. So that's a bad answer, um, and the real answer is I, I don't know, um, but those are my feelings. You guys were obviously going to at least at one point do it against LSU. Everybody's talked about college football coming back, the NFL, Major League Baseball, as you mentioned, without fans and stands. Now, pro leagues, I feel like that is going to happen. That's going to be the first step. Where do you sort of fall on no fans and stands at college games? I mean, obviously, you know, gate receipts are very important to any budget at the college level, um, especially the smaller schools and the smaller conferences that don't have the TV deals that the SEC and the Power Five do. But just from a safety, from an optics standpoint of, hey, these guys aren't paid, Maybe it's not safe for everybody to be in the stands, but it's safe enough to put them out on the field. Where do where do you sort of fall on the ability for for NCAA or for college athletes to play in front of fanless stadiums? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think. I think if it comes down to if for our fans in the stands, we can't have a season, and if there's not, we can. Uh, then, then I think if you can keep the players safe and the coaches safe and all of that, officials, whatever you want to say. And then I would say you get to play without without fans, um, and that's probably more of the fan in me. Um, the get up on Saturday morning and watch college game day and want to watch a, a boring eleven a.m. Big Ten game and get on with it um, than it is anything. And probably the other side of me is uh, we have two football players on our team that I that I talk to on a semi-regular basis, um, and I know those guys want to play whether there are fans in the stands or not this fall. Um, so it's hard to know. It's hard to know what the answer is, but I think if you can keep the players safe, um, and it means no fans, I'm all for it at this point. And I think anybody is, I think all of us, college football isn't what it is or college athletics aren't what they are without, without fans in the stands. But at the end of the day, I think all of us are so starving for it that, uh, we'll take it. We'll take it without, without fans. If, if, if we have to this fall. So there'll be a draft at some point this summer. I keep hearing more and more about five rounds, likely. Um, where do you sort of stand on that? I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about specific guys necessarily, but how do you feel like that affects yeah. rosters as, a, as this thing moves forward? Because I would assume that unless guys just kind of want to go for Snickers bars, they won't, that, well, there can't be a ton of free agent money involved. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it, to some extent, crowd uh, college rosters. And they're going to get some juniors and some redshirt or some sophomore eligible players back, I would assume. No, no question. That I do have a little more, you know, obviously inside on because it, it affects my job. I think 
uh, I think the best the draft is going to be June 10th. I feel pretty strongly about June that. June 10th, really? Of, okay. Of, yeah, unless the commissioner of baseball um, has a change of heart here in the next 48 to 72 hours, I feel pretty confident that, that that's the draft. Um, not as confident in the number of rounds, but if I had to guess right now, I'd say five rounds. Um, I think they're going to do whatever they can to, to – to save save money and the hard part for us as fans is like oh come on they're gonna each club is gonna save a half a million dollars by not having around six through ten and you know all of that now selfishly um as far as keeping our roster intact uh, i'm all for only five rounds um <laughs> only because i still think we lose probably or have a chance to lose the the two guys that everybody would talk about in Servino and keenan um i don't think it's a foregone conclusion that we lose both of those guys um, but I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a pretty decent chance that that happens. Um, and then, uh, but, but you get the other guys that would get drafted from round six on back and that's huge. Now, the second part of what you were saying from a roster construction and all of that, um, for us specifically, um, we only have four seniors and did not have very many draft eligible guys. Um, so it doesn't affect us in the short term all that much now where you know obviously we get a lot of freshmen coming in and you know you couple that with the with a big group of freshmen that were on campus this this past year so you know maybe a little bit more of a log jam at the at the young part of our roster but um as far as like some people are having to make some drastic changes and you know cutting guys loose and all that uh, we don't have to go through that as much. If it were a year ago where all of a sudden Cooper Johnson gets drafted outside of the five rounds and Zebo and Parker Caracy and Houston Roth, all of, you know, and I'm missing guys, but it would have been a much bigger issue with a big class coming in and then all of a sudden you get all of those guys that get an extra year of eligibility back because from what I understand, any guy that signs as a free agent can only get $20,000. And so – None of those guys are signing for twenty thousand dollars. They'll take their junior year back if it was a year ago, and you know come back and get you know a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's interesting because that's what I was kind of what I was thinking too. Is you mentioned the short term versus the long term, but you know even the seniors that are not counting in against the number, everybody getting their years back. I mean, a lot of programs it is going to be a pro- more of a problem for 2021, 2022 and moving forward because it's not a five year change in roster sizes, right? I mean, it's a one year thing. So at some point, those numbers are at a lot of places going to have to go back to thirty five. Yeah, I think so. Um, now I do think that there is some. Still, some further talk about maybe some maybe some relief down the road uh, or some some more relief. Nothing, nothing substantial and nothing that I would even know to even bring up right now. Um, but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. You you're still going to have to get it back to uh, to to 35 and 27 guys on scholarship and 11.7 scholarships. Um, you know, once once those once those guys are out. And you're, the, the, you know, the guys that that progress and, and and do what you hope that they do, they're going in three years anyway. I mean, you 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 want Hayden Dunhurst to have the level of success to be drafted highly after three years. So a lot of those type of guys, you're probably losing on the same timetable, no matter what classifications next to their name. No, no question about that. That's exactly right. And, and in an odd way, um, obviously we would, we would always take those guys back because um, that's huge. But in an odd way, now with the roster crunch. You need that to happen just mm-hmm. to filter out your, your your roster. You need the prospects, quote prospects, 
um, you need them to sign because that's the natural, like you said, that's a natural progression of setting out your roster. But that's also, you know, the mad scientist that last coach and myself have to be is trying to figure out who's signing, who's not, you know, whose money we can spend and trying to magically land on 11.7 scholarships is a, an impossible jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, I can imagine that it, it is such the, uh, the the kind of the oxymoron of positive and negative. When you get one of those guys back, you're not expecting, but they're eating up a huge scholarship, and you're like, okay, that's great. I'm glad to have them back, but where in the heck are we going to find the money to make this work? That's it. I mean, you're never going to turn that guy away because he helps you win a lot of games. Um, and so you, you give like a fist pump when it happens, and then in the, like the next breath, you are trying to figure out how the heck you're going to make that happen. It's 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 an odd it's an odd thing. I remember sitting in a hotel room with Lass recruiting um, when we the draft ended with that 2016 number one recruiting class, and we knew we were going to get all of them. And like it was like a high five, almost an awkward hug. Like all of these guys are coming to school, and then like the most sickening look on last face. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was like, how are we going to make this all work? Um, <laughs> and obviously you do, you make it work and, um, <laughs> and it works out, but it is, it's not an easy thing. We spend far more hours uh, in conversation from a coaching staff meeting about that stuff than we do about who's sitting in the three hole. I can promise you that. You know, we mentioned the draft, mentioned Keenan, Servideo, even some of these sophomores that are likely to be drafted pretty highly next year. How did this season shape them? I mean, was there were there enough games for guys to, to help their profile? I mean, we mentioned Servideo. It's his first year as the, the, the shortstop every game. I mean, everybody knows about his ability and whatever, but that sample size, do you think that was a huge benefit to him from a, from a pro level and a scouting standpoint? Yes. Um it's weird. Keenan kind of is what he is, right? right? Like he's the guy that um, has hit and and always hit. And you know, in my you know six plus years here, um, you know he's probably the most well, not probably he is the most consistent hitter we've had since I've been here. Uh, when talking about hit from the moment he stepped on campus, there's some other guys who have had great years, but um, as far as hit from day one, he's the best. But his profile kind of is what it is, right? So. Um, the only question mark with Keenan is not the bad is it can he stick at third base from the pro side of things, but um, I think he's a relatively safe pick. Now you may not, it may not be safe in the second round, um, you know, depending on where you like him. But wherever you pick him, it's the bat. You know, you like the bat. With Servideo, it's a different deal. I think he helped himself a ton. He's one of those guys with a ton of helium with the draft because there aren't a ton of middle infielders in this draft. Um, and in my opinion, even the guys who are going to get drafted high in our league can't play shortstop in the big leagues. Casey Martin, um, great player, going to get drafted good, unbelievable athlete. Uh, the guy made 22 errors last year in shortstop. I think he moves out to center field. I'm talking about Casey Martin from Arkansas. Yeah. Westberg from, from Mississippi State, and I'm sure we got some state fans listening. The kid is a tremendous player. Um, I think he grows out of shortstop and probably moves over to third base. Both those guys are going to get drafted really high, but I think in our league, Ant is the only guy that has a chance to play shortstop in the big leagues. I believe that. And so um, I think when, when you look at that and then you look at the tools that, that Ant has, the one question I've gotten a ton from scouts that have called and done background on him is, all right, if you have one game to win, are you taking Kessinger or are you taking Servideo? Which is an impossible question <laughs> for me. Um, but I told Gray this the other day on the phone, so I have no problem saying it. Uh, 
I tell them all through video because Kessinger already got his money and he's off playing and, you know, the Astros liked him and all of that. So I just tell them through video. I don't know that I would, that is, that is what I would take, but, uh, you obviously you want to, you want to help your guy out, but the tools with that Sir video has, uh, are exceptional. I mean, it's really, really run. It's really, really throw. And then he started showing some power. And that's probably the question I get more than anything is, you know, he had five home runs in his career and had five, you know, through 17 games. So, um, I think he's got a ton of helium. Obviously I would love to have him back, but I want what's best for him. Um, you know, and if he gets drafted and signs, I hope he gets a ton of money. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing in Oxford and the flow down option where you can lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy on South Lamar in Oxford, also Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. Both those locations are open for regular business hours. Tyson's is utilizing a walk-up window, and GM is offering curbside service there in Oxford. Both stores are dedicated to local delivery and still able to deliver same day as well. 662-236-2222. The podcast brought to you by Visit Oxford. Visit OxfordMS.com is the website. Click the very top so you have to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see a list of all retailers, restaurants with curbside with delivery options to uh, help you out there if you need that list. Also, ways to support hospitality workers who are out of jobs right now in Oxford between Tip Roulette and some other options that you have. Again, visit OxfordMS.com. Podcast also brought to you by Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. They're offering, offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments at 662 767 4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed. Walk-ins are welcome. And then last but not least, we're brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. You can call. You can text. They are available for you. I talked to Nikki this week. They've been picking up more clients because people are home right now. They're seeing things around their house they want to change. They want to fix up. They offer new client gifts. They offer dorm room appointments whenever that does uh, come with discounts as well. So you can find out more. Text or call 662-681-6241. What do you think Kessinger's profile is as he kind of progresses through the system with with Houston? I think the thing with Gray is, uh, and I don't know if it's like, I've always wondered, I always think it was, it's really silly that people put so much stock in pedigree, and then I met the Kessinger family. Um, and so then, then you have to like kind of swallow your tongue and be like, well, I can't say that to Don Kessinger. Like, what, what does pedigree mean? He's a different person. But I will say this. What I learned with that family is that I don't know if it has anything to do with pedigree, but I think Greg Kessinger has the slowest heartbeat of anyone I've ever coached. And what I mean by that uh, is he is going to field a ground ball the same against Arkansas State on a Tuesday in February as he does in Game 3 of a Super Regional. Like, he is just going to field the ball and throw it across. Um, he doesn't get overwhelmed. I'm guessing if you put one of those heart monitors on him in the biggest situation, it's the same heartbeat as if he were on this call right now. It's just um, there's something about him. And he, he's a different kind of infielder. Like, he is the opposite of Errol and Servideo. There's not a ton of twitch to him. It's long and rangy. It's more of like when I was growing up, Cal Ripken Jr., you know, kind of just, 
I'm going to saunter over to the ball, but he makes every play. Um, I think he, but I think he's going to play shortstop in the big leagues. I really do. Um, his tools are not as wow as their videos for me. You know, he doesn't run like Ant. Um, probably has a little more pop in his bat than Ant does. Um, but, you know, I think Ant probably has a little more bat speed. But Gray, his ability to play the game of baseball um, was way, way advanced, at least when he was here for me. You know, you, you hit on something, and I mean, I've, obviously from a media standpoint, and look, the Kester family is friends of mine, and I would say tell them this too, there's it, there was this sense when he signs us, hey, look, it's this, not necessarily nepotism, but hey, you know, no matter what he does, he's going to play. I don't think people realize the, maybe the pressure that came with having Kester on yeah. the back of your jersey too, because I mean, you're you're living with, you know, your grandfather, frankly, it's not, it's going to be, you know, a number that should be retired, one of the two or three best players in program history. You're talking about a six-time All-Star with the Cubs, you know, your dad, your uncle, like everybody played. I mean, there is, there is a sense of if you can't calm your emotions down and you can't kind of have that hard heartbeat that whole thing's overwhelming in a very negative way it's, it's it's not all a positive to come into a situation like that I mean you know for a great Kessinger the player there could have been a lot more easier things to do than playing at Ole Miss he could have gone to Vanderbilt or somewhere oh. and not had to deal with any of that no 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 question about it it's probably the thing I respect about him the most I don't know on on the six teams that I've coached here I'm not sure there's another player it was just really unique to him that that had the demeanor unique enough um, to be able to handle that exact scenario that you just spelled out. And the other people that deserve a ton of credit for that are DK and Keith and Kevin. Like the way they handled it from the recruitment to when he stepped on campus to him hitting 175 to him being an All-American, the way those people handled it, and I don't want to discount you know, the Kelly, all of the yeah, women yeah, yeah. as well in the family, but but the way, the not Ray, but the way that family handled it with just, and anybody like you do, and I do, that knows that family is like, they're the epitome, but they're like their class all the way through, but the way all of them handled it, Keith doing our radio, uh, DK being in the stands for every game, obviously Kevin and Kelly, you know, being the, being the parents, they just handled it so well. Um, it just, at least from my standpoint, from coaching him, never put heat on him. None of the three of those men um, who all played baseball at a super high level said a word to me. The kid hit 175, and I'm his hitting coach, and we were awful that year offensively. None of those people said one word to me. You know, and they have they have the skins on the wall to say whatever they want. And so just as far as, you know, well, he didn't coach him very well or whatever they wanted to say. Um, they didn't say a word. And so I think the way his family handled it, um, you know, helped him be able to just go out and play. You hit on something a second ago with that roster thing. Where do you fall? They're talking about votes coming up, maybe not at some point. Where are you on the whole one-time transfer situation for, I guess, college athletics, but baseball in general? It used to be a thing. It stopped, I guess, a little more over a decade ago. Um, where, where do you fall on giving kids a one-time free transfer? Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I just think, especially in our sport, like if we can offer a kid – 25% of a scholarship. So he's on a quarter of a scholarship and then we can dictate whether or not he gets to leave and be eligible or not. I, it's one thing if you're on, you know, full grant made like football or basketball, our sports 
did 11.7 to spread over, you know, 27 guys and 35 guys on the roster. So you have eight walk-ons, but like, I just have a hard time sitting on my high horse as a coach saying, no, you know, you made a commitment here. Now my dad would have, would have said that to me. Um, but I just have a hard time saying, um, you know, if the experience isn't what you want it to be, uh, that you should be able to, to go somewhere. I mean, most of these guys are paying, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a year to go to school. And so for them to be able to get blocked as far as being able to transfer, now I get it if you have the one-time transfer rule and the SEC says you can't transfer within the conference. I understand that um, from a competitive balance standpoint. And, well, maybe not even competitive balance, but just uh, we don't want to put up with that standpoint. Um, but I think you should be able to transfer. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to look for negatives. And, I mean, because it's, like, it's this thing. Here's the thing, too. It's what Neil and I talk about all the time. If kids are happy, they're not leaving 99% of the time, no matter what the situation is or if they're playing or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, I hear, like, kind of fear-mongering or whatever. It's not like every four-seeds ace is going to suddenly go to Vanderbilt or Ole Miss That's or right. Mississippi State just because the, they might have a roster spot as it moves open. Um, It just, it, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, kids, they're not, they're not robots. Yep. They're humans. They like where they are. You're exactly right. And that, I coached for four years at UTSA, Texas San Antonio, mid-major. At the time, we were in the Southland Conference, and I would guess on any of those four years, um, and and with all humility, it had nothing to do with me, the, whoever the best player was on any of those four teams, there's an, they weren't leaving. It, it wouldn't matter if Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Texas or Texas A&M came calling. Uh, they were going to leave. And I think that's kind of your job as a coach. Like, it's if your culture is in the right spot, I don't care if you're at UTSA or you're at Ole Miss. If the culture is where it's supposed to be, I think your kids are going to stay. And so that's why I'm okay with let them, let them go. It's, it's your job as a coach to make make it hard to leave. This might be a question more for Mike, and I, I don't know that I've ever asked him this. I probably should have, so I'll ask you now. When you're putting together roster sizes, obviously you have to cut to 35 for the actual season. What is the, what is the balance to – treating kids fairly, not having 55 kids on a roster in the fall and having to cut and cut and cut and put a lot of kids in bad situations while at the same time kind of protecting yourself because obviously if you have injuries or other issues or whatever, you don't want to go into the spring with 29 or 30 players. I think uh, communication and honesty uh, become really, really important. And so obviously the 27 guys you have on scholarship, they're, they're in. You know, they end up being counters. Um, even if they would quit on December 1st, they end up counting against your 27 and counting against your roster. Um, but I think on, on those other spots, there are some schools who are going to, you know, end right at the number 35. We're going to have eight walk-ons, and that's all we're going to have. We don't want to go over that. Um, we don't do that. So I would say, and you, you've been at more fall practices probably than anybody um, besides John Draper and, and Ron Bianco. Um, but, but you know, we, we will probably have up to 40 guys. But the important thing is that you're communicating really clearly in the recruiting process with those guys that are walk-ons, whether they be junior college guys or not. Hey, you're fighting for a spot. At the, we, we only get 35 guys on our roster, and we have to dictate that the day before uh, our first game in February. And uh, just make it very clear to them, Hey, it's a wide open competition. Um, we got eight spots to fill. We have, you know, fourteen guys for eight spots, and that's what it is. And I think if you're really clear about that in the recruiting process, that 
then I, then I think that softens the blow for you. Not that it's not hard for him when you say, hey, you didn't make the 35-man or you, you, you're cutting it down. But if, but if you're ahead of it you know, on the front end, uh, I think it's, it's way more doable. I don't know how these, these guys do it, some in our league, bringing out 50 guys and cutting 50. I, I, don't, I don't know how you do that. I don't know. That's a lot of BP for the, for the hitting coach. I know that. Yeah, you mentioned balls looking a certain way. Just curious, in case you guys get full rain, you can do whatever you need to. How will fall look different just from the standpoint of, hey, there's likely no summer ball anywhere. I mean, you look at Doug Nikhazy, he threw, what, 20 innings or something throughout the uh, throughout the season that was so cut short. I mean, what what do you have to do to make sure you have guys ready for 2021 if you have free rain to do whatever you need to this fall? How, how, how will it change? Yeah, that's probably the biggest talking point that we've had between Lass and Coach and myself. Uh, I think I think the really important thing is going to be that um, we have to get pitchers innings, a ton of innings, and we got to get guys at bats. I mean, we're talking like you said, the KZ with twenty innings pitched, and you know, if you were an everyday player, I don't know how many at bats, you know, whatever it was, sixty at bats. Um, it's just the you know we're going to have to ramp up a little bit and, and probably get creative instead of just going squads a week at nine innings we will probably still do that but then on the back end of a practice have a three inning inner squad on a random tuesday afternoon just to get innings built um and and get it, get guys at bats because that's the thing they're not going to play summer ball in all likelihood um and i at this point we, we we were a little nervous to even send our pitchers out anyway because some of them have been able to throw the whole time some of them can't you know just because of the states they live in and the last thing we want is to tell them to go play sonar ball and they're not ready to go to go play. So um, I think, you know, in all likelihood, you know, you shut down a lot of your pitchers anyway and then just take your time getting them ramped up and once they're ready to go, uh, just having more inner squads in the fall. What would you, in theory, tell Doug or Gunner, one of those guys, to be doing this summer to stay in somewhat of throwing shape? Yeah, they. I think the important thing is the strength. Um, so both of those guys in particular are able to throw, um, because they both live in the state of Florida. Um, but just keeping their arm healthy. Um, I think from, from, again, I'm a hitting coach, but I think Mike and, and Carl have both said, you know, Hey, you can pin if you want to, if you're able to, if you can find a catcher once a week. Um, but I don't think they're necessarily worried about the bullpens. Uh, I think they just want them to continue to throw and long toss and then stay strong, be able to lift. Um, and just be in decent shape because I feel like they know from, from our throwing program standpoint, when we get them back, assuming we get them back even in August, that we can ramp them up and get them ready to go from a, you know, uh, from a getting on the mound and pitching standpoint. So last thing here, just kind of curious, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to coach. You're all of a sudden getting off into this Instagram live game. Uh, Mike, the, the, the podcast streets are pretty rough, so be careful now. I don't need more, I, I don't need more competition as this thing goes on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I didn't realize that you had seen it. Um, and, hey, at some point, uh, I may be coming to you for a job, so let's just take this as uh, material that's out there. Um, you watch on Wednesday nights. I got Dillard on tonight. Uh, you watch and uh, see what you think. Okay. And then uh, 
you know, maybe, maybe someday I'm, I'm knocking on your door and asking for a job. Hey, sometime over the last five years, I'm sure my message board would rather me have coached third base than you probably at some point. Uh, <laughs> at, at moments, hey, I, can, so. I, can, I can promise you that has happened. Uh, I sometimes, uh, sometimes say some things uh, on those uh, Instagram lives that lament to that, but most of the time, um, so the people know, the guys are safe at the plate. So um, it seems like they always remember the guys who get thrown out, though. Yeah. What, what, what do you like about it, though? I mean, what's it, what, what's it sort of been like? I mean, is something to kill some time to catch up with some players and whatnot? I mean, what how, how did it sort of come about, and how's it been? Scott Wyant, who is uh, in our video production group, and Alex Sims, who's obviously our, our, our I don't know what they call him, our sports information director, um, who you obviously deal with a lot, uh, they came to me and just said, hey, would you be willing to do this? I don't even have Instagram, and so I don't even know how it worked. But it's basically, hey, can you just want to FaceTime with guys and people come on and watch. And I was like, man, you're asking the wrong guy. Like, I'm really boring. Um, but it's been really fun because you just get to talk to guys. And I think he – and I don't know if you've watched, but I've, I've used your name on every single one of them with the exception of Errol because I knew he wouldn't do this. Um, I said, hey. I'm not Chase Parham, and I'm not Ben Garrett, and so don't feel like you have to give me some canned answer. With Errol, I didn't say anything. I just let him go because you know Errol is as good as anybody. Um, he's just going to say what he thinks. So, um, so it's been fun. Just, just I try to tell stories. Um, I try to tell stories that maybe people wouldn't know, um, and just uh, it's it's good. It's fun to talk to those guys. So um, most of them um, are pretty easy now. Like. I've already told those guys, like, hey, don't – Bortles may be my favorite player that I've ever coached here, um, but Bortles hated doing the media anyway. Our conversations, if we FaceTime or talk, are like uh, he talks for about two minutes and I talk for 18. So I just said, hey, you gotta, you got to be wise with who you with who you choose. Otherwise, no one's going to do this thing. But it's been fun. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. You know, you mentioned that. It's a good thing to kind of come full circle and hook it back to the beginning. You mentioned Colby. What I remember – when we talk about press coverage and everything, is we did not ask for him um, at the end of the 16 season after that two-lane game yeah. in, the, in the home regional. And we asked for a couple other guys. They said, hey, we can't do it. We're emotional. He volunteered to come talk to us at the end of that. After, I mean, what had to just be hell there at that point, and he, uh, he, he came in and, yeah. and got it done and got through with it. Here's, here's the thing about that kid. And so we just said how much – just by by nature, and you and you know the kid. He's he's a pretty quiet guy, and so he doesn't like doing the media stuff. But um, that's him. He he is one of my favorite all time anywhere I've ever coached, just because unbelievable teammate, a stand up kid. Um, and I mean, you know, I remember. Yeah, you could go through a, a ton of examples, and I probably already talked too much. But yeah, he's uh, he's the best. I love that kid. I'd do anything for him. Well, Mike, appreciate uh, all the time there as we uh, we got done today, and hopefully we'll uh, be back at it here in a few months as this thing uh, comes to an end. You got it, Chase. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. It specializes in on-site large event catering for up to 250 people and off-site full catering services, especially beverage catering. One day we're going to get back to normal when we do. A lot of parties to catch up on, a lot of get-togethers uh, that will – need to take place that will want to take place wedding receptions rehearsal dinners graduation celebrations and more and the iron horse grill is your answer to be able to enjoy that moment it's a one-stop shop for beverage services for a 250 to 500 person wedding or even a 3500 person gala 
It's the largest beverage caterer in Mississippi. It can service the entire state. So call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs and knock that off your worry list. Let the Iron Horse Grill make your event one that is memorable forever. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dead Soxy. We've been telling you about this is an incredibly strange time. We're all living in. Millions of us all over the world have been impacted by these unusual events. And the Dead Soxy team hasn't been immune to that situation either. Uh, they've uh, faced some tough choices. And what they've done is instead of cutting costs and jobs, they're thinking about things a little differently. They want to keep their team intact, paid, and employed. And they need your help to make it happen. In the spirit of people helping people, they've decided to run a first-of-its-kind support sale. They have slashed their prices site-wide, $6, $9, $11 a pair. They'd rather you get their socks discounted so they can keep paying their team rather than worrying about margins at times like this. It's deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. We're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with the Nest and Wild mattress. It's a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, giving you comfort and support that will last. A lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress, but not Nest and Wild. Everyone is 12 inches thick. They're all American-made, and it's a uh, fantastic deal because we're throwing in a podcast discount. Go to nestandwild.com, order your mattress, Enter the podcast code REBEL20, that's REBEL20, get 20% off your purchase. Your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. Brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust, based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie-cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle Trust builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast, you'll get 10% off your first year's fees. And we're brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles, great lease deals as well. Been with us a long time. We'd appreciate you staying uh, loyal to them as well here in these weird times. You're in a, you want a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan is where you need to head. It's Grenada Grenada Nissan USA.com. Thanks to Mike Clement for giving us that amount of time on the podcast. Again, Ole Miss Baseball was 16 and 1 when the season ended there after four non-conference weekends. We'll uh, we'll see where that goes for the fall for the recruiting calendar and more. We appreciate him giving us that amount of time and for the Oxford Exxon podcast. Have another show tomorrow. Obviously, Neil and I will have our live show tomorrow night, probably around 7:45 or so on Thursday as we uh I don't know if we're going to open some boxes or not. We're getting some more in. You can still send more. We'll do those when they do uh, when they do come in. But they are uh, they're collecting up. We look for a certain number before we open them. So that'll be this week or next week. We uh, we got a wine tasting coming at some point as well. So we try to make it entertaining for you. Try to keep you uh, informed when we have something to inform you about. But otherwise, entertain you, create some normalcy for you as uh, these days and weeks are piling up one another. And hopefully, we'll get sports before long to fill that void. So. Uh, 
For Mike, again, uh, I'm Chase, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow, and we hope you stay safe. Be careful out there.